Tonight we're going to continue our series that we've been working on, the spiritual armor of God. We're going to continue that. Um, we have hit a lot of different places, and so what we want tonight, if you turn to Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, and let me just uh, emphasize this, if you missed one of these, um, they are recorded, so you can check them out online. Um, you can also order a CD of the, the series as well, and um, if you want the whole series on CD, you can do that as well. Um, just There's a green piece of paper in front of you in your pew, just make sure you fill that out and mark it Wednesday Night Study, Armor of God, or something like that, and we'll make sure you get that. Um, they're also available online, so if you happen to miss one, you can catch up and, and get back to where, where we are. So... Um, Let's, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read again. Um, I know this is uh, probably something that we have done just about every week, and by the end of the study, maybe you'll be able to quote this verbatim. But uh, we're going to start in verse 10 and, and read this, this section of Scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That is where, where, where we left off last week. Tonight we are talking about verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Um, if you know anything about the Roman soldier's armor, you know that there were cracks in it. Obviously, there had to be places where you could bend your elbows, had to be places where you could bend your knees, otherwise, kind of hard to move around and fight like this, right? Like, uh, and, and so... There literally had to be places for your eyes, for your arms, your elbows, your lower legs. To cover everything meant that a man or the soldier couldn't move at all. And that was not desirable on the battlefield. So what is the solution for the things that are left uncovered? Well, they would carry a large shield. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. A large shield. Faith, The Paul says... Faith becomes our shield. It, is a, it becomes the flexible item for spiritual warfare, flexible enough to cover anything that comes our way. And large enough, it's larger than life. They would carry shields that were larger than they were. It would be a huge shield. It's not like one of those little circular, like, Captain America type shields. This was a huge shield and it would cover anything. And that faith shield for us is larger than life to completely protect us from the flaming dart 
of the devil. Faith allows us to tap the unseen resources of God's power to defeat the enemy. So let's take this back just a little bit. We're talking about faith. This is going to be a struggle tonight for me to try to narrow this down because there's just so many places I could have gone um, in this atmosphere of faith as it talks with Scripture. I mean, this is going to be, uh, so if you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast and we'll kind of share some, some uh, discussion time here in, in a little bit. But I, I want us to get to the very premise of this. What is faith? What is this idea of faith? Well, I decided I wanted to check out what Webster says about what faith is. And Webster says it's this way, faith is an allegiance to um, or a person. It's loyalty. It also says this, belief and trust in and loyalty to God. That's what Webster says. The belief in the doctrines of, relig- of a religion. Firm belief in something for which there is no visible proof. Kind of goes along with the passage of Scripture of faith. It, you cannot talk about faith without going to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, we're going to get there uh, in greater detail in, in just a moment, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I'm going to read it in three different translations. Um, the NIV says it this way, faith, now faith is confidence, confidence in what we hope for, and assurance in what we do not see. The New American Standard Bible says it this way, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. King James Version says it this way, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I look at all three of those words. Uh, Faith is confidence. Faith is assurance. Faith is substance. There's something to it. And then it goes on to say it's also assurance, conviction, and evidence. We're going to get into those in just a minute. We're going to define some of that here in a moment. I want us, before we um, go too much farther, I I want us to talk about this this idea that's found in the armor side of it from Ephesians chapter 6. As I said earlier, uh, a Roman soldier, the armor that they would just put on would not cover them completely. It wouldn't cover every part of their body. And so the Romans were one of the, um, well, if you study world history, you understand that the Romans covered and they conquered a lot of the world that was known in that day. They were very um, astute in military strategy. They, they had armor that was um, difficult for the enemy as they were conquering to, to defeat. Um, and, and so they, it's kind of like the idea of, hey, they have armor and we try to find a way to defeat the armor. They fix that and we try to find a different way. Kind of that thought process. And, and here we are with in this moment of time, when Paul is writing Ephesians, 
there is this shield that they've come up with. And I'll tell you why they needed this shield uh, in, in just a moment. This shield would protect this soldier from any um, way, anywhere around him, and it covered everything. It was, as I said earlier, it was larger than the man. It was able to be moved in any direction, and it became a terrific barrier to keep the enemy from doing harm to um, their soldiers. Paul's point, I believe, is simple. Faith is larger than life. Faith is larger than life. It protects us from an attack of the enemy in any direction. And it is a barrier to keep our life safe from destruction. Hiding behind the shield didn't mean fearing what was coming, but it meant being assured that whatever was coming, you were going to be covered and it wasn't going to hurt you. Faith helps us to see what unbelievers cannot see. Faith helps us to know what, where God is, even where we, when we can't see Him. Let me just kind of uh, uh, share um, just a, a brief story. For centuries, um, the island of New Zealand was unpopulated. Nobody ever went there. Um, no human had ever set foot on it. Um, and then all of a sudden, the first settlers arrived. The settlers of New Zealand were actually people from Polynesian islands who decided that they were going to sail thousands of miles in canoes to get to this new land, this new area. How did they know that there was land there? How did they know that they, could not, they wouldn't just simply keep sailing until they ran out of food and, and provisions? How, how did they know that this was happening? Because for generations, they had seen a long white cloud on the distant horizon. And they knew that when a cloud stayed in one place over a long period of time, that there was land beneath it. And so they called New Zealand the land of the long white cloud. You know, faith is like that. This voyage to a land that sometimes you can't see. Journeying to an unknown future, but it's not just guesswork. It's not just chance. It's not just superstition. There are facts behind the faith that lead us to the destination that God has for us as we walk in that faith. Faith protects all those exposed areas of our life, and it gives us the assurance of God's not only protection and provision, but that relationship. One last thing about this idea of faith. As I said earlier, the Roman soldiers were really well equipped to come any kind of confrontational battle. But because of the way their armor was and there were places in it for elbows to move and that kind of thing, the enemy came up with this idea. They came up with different uh, sophisticated technology and they learned a way to get to the Roman soldier. And what they would use is they would use fiery darts to do that. And so when Paul says... 
the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is what's taking place in Rome and in the Roman Empire that people, whenever they go to fight, this is what's happening. This metal armor that they're wearing had seams. And these seams would allow fluid to pass through this. So the enemy comes up with this ingenious idea that they're going to make hollow shafted arrows filled with flammable liquid. And they shoot these arrows at the Roman soldiers after they have set it on fire. They set the liquid on fire and they shoot it. And when it hits the Roman soldier, it shatters. It doesn't pierce the the armor, it doesn't pierce the armor to, to inflict a wound that way, but it shatters and all of that flammable liquid seeps its way into the armor and then what eventually happens is that Roman soldier becomes burned alive from the inside out. Yeah, I know, gross, right? But that is why they, they would take that and they would use those flammable darts, if you will, those flammable arrows... Um, to try to trap this burning fluid in the suit um, of the Roman soldier. And because they couldn't um, make an armor without seams, they had to develop a defense against this kind of attack. And so they came up with these shields. And they, these shields that they made, as I said, were larger than the person. And what they would make them of is they would make them of a leather. They would cover them in leather, and they would soak them in water. And so they're carrying around these shields that are wet because when somebody shoots a flaming arrow at a wet shield, and it, what happens? It puts out the fire, right? Um. That flexibility that this shield gives them is needed for them to protect themselves from the fiery darts. Paul says that faith is like this shield. It is able to quench fiery darts of the enemy. Faith becomes the certainty of being safe when you're under attack. Faith is flexible enough to cover me from any direction. No matter what the devil would try to throw or shoot at me, this idea of faith protects me. Now, to take that thought process a step further, I have seen the lives of some believers where they have decided for whatever reason to put aside their faith. And what they end up doing is instead of being assured, confident, some of those words we we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, they become doubtful. They become distant. And can I tell you what the opposite, what I feel is the opposite of this? They become prideful. And when we become prideful, we cease to walk in 
faith. Because faith is a reliance on a God that even though we, it is unseen and the promises that maybe God has for your life, you aren't seeing all of them right now. But that idea of seeing what God has for you, we, none of us in this room, I'm guessing, have ever seen heaven with our visible eyes, tangibly, maybe in a vision or dream. But, and I know that there are some folks that have claimed that, and if that's, you know, I'm not doubting that. But the idea here is sometimes we haven't seen everything. We haven't seen heaven and what that looks like. But my faith tells me that it's real. My faith is a confidence in my God that says that that's real. Now, if I start to doubt different things that God is doing in my life, I doubt faith, I doubt my salvation, I doubt what God is doing, what does that open me up for? Fiery darts. Destruction. Hurt. Pain. And what Paul is saying here is this. That faith that you have is imperative. But that faith is a loyalty and a trust and a going after a God, even though you can't always see him. But it's the assurance. That, that came up a couple times in, in the Hebrews 11, 1, didn't it? That assurance to know. That loyalty to trust. That even though I don't see everything, I know that God is with me. This shield gave a soldier a great confidence. They felt assured of safety. Can I tell you, the fires of hell cannot touch us when we live by faith. That doesn't mean that they won't be fired at you. That doesn't mean that they won't, that, that the devil won't try. That doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy. I got to be honest, if, if I were getting fiery darts fired at me, there'd probably be a little bit of, whoa, you know, deal, right? Come on, be honest. If not, we'll take you out back, and we can do that for a while and see how comfortable you are. I'll even give you a big shield. We'll see how that works. There's a little uneasiness sometimes, right? But those trials do what? What's James said trials do? Build my faith. Trials build my faith. Fiery darts being shot at me and seeing my faith hold stern, that shield holding fast, my heart protected by my faith in the Lord builds my faith. Now, as I was uh, coming up with this, I'm going to be honest, this might sound like I'm getting into a preacher mode here, so I apologize already, but um, there's just some things in this that really just spoke to me as I read it. So we're going to kind of journey through some of Hebrews chapter 11, and then, uh, then I've got one last thing I want to talk to you about. Um, Hopefully, time will allow. Let's uh, go to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll go ahead and pick up verse 1 again. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
God spoke it out of nothing. So faith is creative. Is creative. He goes on to say, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Abel. Anybody remember the story of Cain and Abel? What was the, what was the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering? Abel was the first fruit, yep, which revealed what? His heart. It was a heart issue. Faith gives, gives from love, it gives from obedience, it gives with the right motives, and it, faith comes from a right heart. Faith comes from a right heart. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? We walk by faith, not by sight. Not just in the things we can see. We walk in that. Can't come to God unless you come by faith. There is... I. My thought process, there's no salvation unless you come by faith, believing that he is who he says he is, and putting your trust and your loyalty and your life in his hands. It's impossible to please God unless you have faith, because it's impossible to have relationship with God unless you have faith. You got that's it has to be both. It has if you're gonna please the Lord, you have to have faith in Him. And as we were talking about, as as Sandy said, that faith grows and that faith begins to blossom as you begin to grow in your relationship with God. When I first um, accepted Christ into my life, I was a teenager. And I put my faith and my hope in, in Christ, but I got to tell you, if, if the spiritual fruit of my life, it was not like real ripe back then. It was ripe, but it wasn't ripe because it was good. It was ripe probably because it stank. It wasn't real great. But as I grew in my walk with God and the spiritual fruit of my life increased and the faith and the assurance and the trust that I had in God increased, and then all of a sudden what begins to happen? The more faith you have, the more when he speaks to your heart, what do you tend to do? Obey. I remember when God began to speak into my heart different things. It wasn't too long after I got saved. and It was hard, man. I didn't want to do that. 
took me a little time. He talked to me about being baptized, how the importance of being baptized and what that meant. It took me three years <laughs> to get from salvation to the water baptism tank. I don't like people dunking me. My son tries to do it in the pool, man. It's on. I don't care how old I am. I don't care how bad my back is. It's on. He tries to dunk me. I don't care how big he is. It's going to be a fight. You may get me, but you're going too kind of deal. So that was a difficult decision for me. And so, but I realized something. If I was going to trust the Lord and move forward in my walk with God, there had to be an obedience factor that says, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be close with God. And if I believe God is who he says he is, then these are steps I need to take to increase this relationship I have with him to help my faith to grow. Probably all of us who have a relationship with Christ on some level or another have had those moments in our life when we had the experience and the opportunity to either let our faith grow or to push it aside. Remember what I said earlier. When you push it aside and whenever the voice of God speaks to you, whether that be through his word, through prayer, and you push that away, that's where faith does, no longer comes into the picture because now you've stepped into this issue of pride. And whenever I have this idea that I can do it better than God and I don't have to go God's way, that leads me open to fiery darts. Enoch pleased God. Faith pleases God. Number seven, by faith Noah, verse seven. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah is a cool example of faith. Let me tell you why. Remember the story of Noah? God tells Noah it's going to rain. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to flood it all out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. And I, he gave him all the dimensions, gave him the size of it and everything. So what does Noah do? Gets his hammer, gets his nails, gets his wood, gets his stuff, and starts. Could he see the rain? No. Were the animals lining up in his backyard when he first started? No. Were all the people around him telling him he's crazy? Yeah. Sometimes faith makes you look a little crazy. But there's one thing I, I, I see in this, and this is a thought process for me. My faith encourages me to do something. Faith encourages me to act. Now, it's not always about building an ark. It's not always about doing um, something that uh, is stepping out of a boat. We're going to talk about that a little later, hopefully. It's not always about stepping out of a boat and walking on water. But faith 
the part, one of the products of faith in my life has been action to do what God called me to do, to be what God's called me to be, to go where God's called me to go. You kind of get the picture, right? It can't just be, I think so many times in our life, we want this faith aspect to be, okay, God, make it happen. And we sit and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we get frustrated because nothing's happening. Nothing's taking place, and we're just sitting back, and God, you just, it must not have been God. Well, maybe it was God, but he's asking you to pick up a hammer and a nail. Maybe it was God, and he's asking you to put the wood and start the process. But I think, I do think, though, that there is some thought process, not to Christian mingle, but I think there's thought process in this idea of faith should leave us to action. The Bible says this, faith without works is dead. And so if I have all the faith and all the assurance and all this, but I don't put any works behind it, it's of no use. On the same token, I can do all the other stuff. I can help little old ladies across the street. I can do all the right things. And without faith, that's of naught. It is a proper balance that comes into play. If I'm going to have faith, God's going to ask me to step out in that faith and to do something. And if we are going to see the hand of God and the power of God move, the thing I love about Hebrews chapter 11 is all of those folks that are listed there in some way or another saw the hand of God move because they were willing to, by faith, they saw what God wanted to do, they were told what, what God wanted them to do, and they took a step. Without steps, faith in Hebrews chapter 11 does not happen. Read through. We're going to read through some more here in just a minute. But as we stop, we're going to stop in verse 30, but if you were to read the rest of it, every one of them, even the ones who were a little bit, you're thinking, what's Samson doing this faith book? Because he was a little weird. He was... A little off. But God brought him all the way back. And God, when God put him in a place where he humbled himself, he got rid of his pride. When Samson laid his pride down and he accepted this thought process and this mantle of what God had called him to do, at the last stages of his life, he accepted the mantle. And he killed more Philistines in his death than he'd killed while he was alive because he was willing to step. I wonder how many of us, God is calling you to do something. You, you live by faith. You love the Lord. You have a relationship with God. But the problem is, is you're all in this thing of faith and you're not really stepping out to do something. They go together. Faith without works is dead. It's a both. It's an and both, not an either or. It's balance. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would la- place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, 
even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was able to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is... He, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham goes. We talked about that just a few minutes ago. Um, Greg brought that up. Abraham goes, faith does not make you stand still. Even, and, and this is, I, I remember my thought now. We talk about that idea of, of it's, we get, so it's, it's not about faith and trust in God. It's faith and trust in us. But sometimes we have to be willing just to take a step. And I think God just rewards a good heart. He, the right motives and the right heart of wanting to obey, even though we don't consider and understand all the logistics of the step we're taking, just that idea of wanting to serve and please and do God what is right by him and step and go. been times in my life when um, that step took me to places that I thought, man, what in the world am I doing here? but it was where God wanted me. It's where God had me for that season. All things work together for good. Yeah, to those who love God. Faith perseveres even though you might not visibly see the promise. Faith obeys when God doesn't always make sense. Faith gets us out of our comfort zone and hikes up a mountain. By faith, verse 17, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did not receive Isaac back from death. Faith hikes up the mountain even though you don't understand why you're doing it and what's happening. Faith lives in us even when we might be asked to sacrifice the most important thing in the world to us. Understanding that nothing's impossible to God. If you continue to read on for the sake of time, we're going to um, kind of go through this. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph are mentioned in the next uh, three verses. And uh, can, I just, can I just say this? And this is a plug for Sunday. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. I'm going to talk about Sunday. Faith leaves a heritage for you. 
Faith leaves a heritage for you. Faith in God will change your family. Faith in God will change your family. You look at Moses in uh, verses 23 through uh, 28 um, and following. Um, God calls and equips even when you feel inadequate. Faith um, in God calls and equips even when you feel inadequate. If you look through uh, 28, 29, and 30, um, it talks about the miracles. Faith creates miracles. It's amazing the idea here of, of faith in God and what that does in our life. And if we're going to have the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one, we have to have, as it says, a confidence in what we hope for, a confidence in who God is, a confidence in my relationship with him, that it's about him and it's not about me. That walking in faith means that I walk after him and I don't have the steps ordered by me. The steps of righteous men are ordered of the Lord. They're not ordered by us. Where we get into trouble, I think, sometimes is when we start picking the path. And when we start picking the path, God's gracious and he loves us. But he also allows us to walk down the path that we pick. That's the sovereignty of him, not wanting to. He will direct your path if you'll let him. Faith will have this amazing impact in your life if you let it. Um, any comments? I have one other passage of Scripture we're not going to get to tonight, but I wanted to kind of bring this to you um, and, and let you read it. You can read it on your own, and maybe I'll give you some my thoughts on it later. But um, one passage of Scripture I'm going to give you, and by all means, I, I would hope that not only would you Research this one, but also go to some other ones through the gospel. I, I find this amazing thing that Jesus on several different occasions had this line, and you'll see it throughout gospels. It's this, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> when he tells that to the disciples, stop and think about that just for a minute. Here are guys who left everything to follow. But because something happened in certain instances of time when they missed an opportunity, they missed hearing God. They missed the faith walk and they chose a different path. Jesus came alongside of them and he would often say, you of little faith. Now, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33 outlines just one of those things. Talks about the story of Peter walking on the water. Um, I encourage you, um, read that sometime this week. Um, talk about um, and think about what, what happens here. Um, there, there's a, a cool thing that, that I noticed, and I'm going to try to wrap this up because I know time's getting away from us, but if you look at this passage, Peter does an impossible thing. 
I don't know if you've tried to walk. I can't even walk across a mud puddle, much less a lake, right? Um, this is an impossible thing that he does. Faith enables Peter to do the impossible. It shielded him from the storm. It didn't remove the storm. It just shielded him in the middle of it. 